everybody. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. Toddler Purgacle. Toddler Tendril Purgatory. For some reason, both words sounded too long to in my ears, and I was like, nope, those are not the words. That's not it. That's not that's not the name of a podcast. It's actually nap time with Molly and Blair today. <laughs> We're both sleepy. We're sleepies. We're sleepy, sleepy heads. I am on the brink of the kid coughing in my mouth and eyes and orifices. Why do they do that? Why? That's all my children do. They just like cough it at me, in me. They cough and sneeze in and at me. And for some reason, like I fight it. My immune system is like, we got this girl. We got this. And then it's like, no, we don't. Enough. Yeah. Tell your kid to stop sneezing in me. <laughs> it is true. I feel like my son goes in for a deep snuggle, like a cuddle, 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 sneeze. Like, why didn't you get, leave it at the door? <laughs> what? Anyway, today, speaking of getting close to our kids, and that was in a physical way, <laughs> today we're talking about getting close to our kids in an emotional way. We're talking about that sweet, sweet bond between parent and child. Oh. And I say sweet, sweet bond because it can often be sweet and sweet. And sometimes it's hard and hard. It is. Especially, I feel like there were times when my bond with my kid were challenged We'll talk about this, but I feel like it was at the beginning of his life Mm. and where we are now with him having just turned six. The middle parts, for some reason, I felt like there were less challenges or stresses on that bond. And now he has this thing like the authority. He gets mad because I'm in charge, because I'm the parent, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I feel like I have to constantly explain to him why he should do what I ask, which is like mind blowing to me. Like, I don't remember questioning my parents that much. I feel like when they said, get in the car, it's time to go, we got in the car and we left. But maybe that's just my romanticized memory of my own childhood. The fear that you had of your parents was real. And that's what you did. You did what they said. I felt like I didn't really mind being like jostled into the car. I'm like, okay. It was like all part of the activity of childhood as opposed to my son being like questioning, resisting, like, oh man, it's so rough. And just being on different pages because now he's a human being. Mm -hmm. Now he's like a person with thoughts and feelings. (laughs) Yes. No thanks. But some people listening may have or have recently had a baby, as this podcast is for everybody, but specifically for parents and caregivers of zero to, you know, five or six year olds. I remember that so well, feeling like I didn't have that bond with my newborn. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Interesting. And apparently it's super common. And a lot of it for me, we've talked about this a little bit on the pod in past episodes was because I had the baby blues, which is I had something between baby blues and like peripartum depression. It wasn't two or three weeks, but it wasn't a year and I didn't have to go like I didn't have to go on medication or anything. But I was like sleep. We all were. We all were. We were sleep deprived, all that stuff. Right. And I think that it felt like a job as opposed to this like deep, meaningful experience at times. Like, tell me more about that. Like, it felt like a job. Like, what felt like a job in those first few months? Like, I felt like a machine, like a milk machine. I felt like my job was to make sure the baby slept, ate, and pooped, and peed. And you weren't enjoying it? Not all the time. It wasn't 100% of the time I felt like a machine, or 100% of the time was blissful newborn joy. It was like a little bit of all those things. But I was real, I felt like a zombie sometimes, And other times I felt like a glowing new mom. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I guess because nothing's perfect and nothing is 100% one way or the other. I read an article in Metro, which is like that daily newspaper, but it's in this is the UK version. Oh, okay. And they say, according to CBT therapist and founder of Conscious and Calm, and this person's name is Navit Schechter, it's actually fairly common for a mother to struggle to form an immediate bond with their child. She says, like all relationships, the attachment we create with others can be immediate or unfold over time. Mm. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Like you start a new job and you don't immediately bond with every coworker. But a year later, somebody that you didn't know very well, you might have gotten to know. And you're like, oh, I, I can't imagine working without this person. Right. And I like her perspective of seeing your relationship with your newborn be like a relationship with any other human being. It might happen right away and it might unfold over time. For both of my kids, I was like, gush, 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 right? You squished them. But then I got to tell you this, during the pandemic, my daughter turned one, March 16th, 2020. It was a real easy, easy breezy time in the world. (laughs) Easy breezy time, day before lockdown. And I got to tell you, all the things that the pandemic brought on, Being a mom, 
being a black woman, all of these things, my bond with my kid, specifically my daughter, mm. suffered. Because I feel like, and it's funny too, because uh, we just got this like Google Nest Hub thing. It's like a video thing. And we have like these scrolling pictures of just like family pictures. And a lot of times like pictures from that time, like, you know, to 2020 to now, but especially just that year of 2020 when it was like major pandemic. And I look at these pictures and I'm like, wow, A, I don't Mm -hmm. remember a lot. And B, I just feel like I look at the littleness of her and I see the pictures of like when my son was that age and how like in it I was and then how just out of it I was with her. And I miss it. I feel like I was robbed a little of a of her littleness. I just don't remember a lot, which really sucks. And I feel like it strained my bond with her and that like that's really hard for me to like forgive yourself. Swallow. How old was she again, did you say? At that time? Turned a year. Right. The day before lockdown. And it was just like, my husband went into the room, shut the door. Our nanny was like gone. And it was like me. And I didn't know what to do. And it was just like figuring it all out. The world is going upside down. You know, there's so many things that I was thinking about just as a, especially as a black woman for me at that time, there was just so many things happening and so many things that I was thinking about for the first time. And I'm just like, oh my. So a lot of it was like, I was going so inward and a lot of it was so messy. And then I had this child who's looking at me like, yo, I remember she like walked, like getting emotional. She like walked a week after her birthday and I just couldn't like find the joy. Sucks, you know, I couldn't find the joy. And I just felt like, yeah, my bond suffered a little. And you had a three-year-old. You had two kids that you had to keep track of. And that's the other thing too, is that sibling thing when you are focused on one and you're worried about losing that. And in a worldwide pandemic, when we all were just literally trying to stay alive. Yeah. Yes. Just survive. Just survive. Yeah. I know it feels very isolating, right? That feeling, it feels so isolating. And I got to tell you, every time I look at those pictures, it just like, it guts me. But I know I'm not alone. For sure. Oh, you're absolutely not alone. Whatever that reason may be, and I think yours is a really good one. But I think that we all have to work really hard on, on forgiving ourselves It's like a friend of mine got sick and she was so mad at herself for not doing the things she could have done to not have gotten to that point. And her doctors and surgeons said, yeah, oh, you are here now. And that's what's important. Now let's look forward. Right. Right. And it was essentially saying, please forgive yourself for anything you may or may not have done in the past because you are here now. And Blair, that's you. Yeah. Like you are such an incredibly present, hilarious, wonderful rock for your kids. Now, it's true. And that's, and you know what? She's more than fine. She's thriving. Mm-hmm. And she's still like little, you know, she's three. And I, instead of like letting that gutted feeling like lead me, <laughs> you know, I like, I have that moment. I'm like, oh, you know, and then like. I look at her and I'm like, you're still so little and cute and you do funny things and you still don't form sentences correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fall down when you walk because your limbs still haven't like adjusted to your body. So it's like I still have these things in my present moment that I can hang on to that I haven't quote unquote lost, you know. And we kind of collectively as a nation and as a world need to forgive ourselves for <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Like, it's not forgiving ourselves. It's believing in ourselves because we are here. So like, okay, was the last two and a half years messy as heck? Yeah. People had babies during the pandemic and had to be home alone with them. Some of our listeners right now are saying, that was me. And I say we give ourselves a big round of applause and give ourselves right now a hug to say, okay, we made it. And in our lives, it feels so immediate these past two and a half years. But for our kids, we get to look forward with them. Isn't that so remarkable? And especially these kids who are ages zero to five, six, like they really won't They're resilient. So yeah, so resilient. Yeah, so resilient. And there are so many reasons why 
you know, we might, we feel like we might be having a hard time bonding with our kids, you know, especially during that first time, you know, not first time parenting, but having your baby around you for the first time. Mm-hmm. This, the writer from earlier says there are many reasons why a mom or a parent might not be able to emotionally connect with their child from the off, which is so funny because from the off. Thank you, UK. Ranging from postnatal depression, baby blues, having a traumatic birth. Woo, that's hard. Oh, yeah. Or pregnancy. Or even certain types of medication. Yes. Yeah. All of these things, difficulties in your current life and relationship or any past or current mental health issues can also affect how you're able to connect with your baby. Be kind to yourself. It will come. And we always talk about this. We are a product of our upbringing. Oh, there it is. Whoop, there it is. And no matter the age of the new parent or caregiver, we are constantly struggling against sort of like parental norms traditions of the past that we know maybe we're not the healthiest. Yeah. We know that now. And there's and we've thrown out thankfully we're a little bit more woke and we've thrown out these rule books of how things should be and how things should go. I got to tell you, one of the biggest gifts that I gave to myself was when I was pregnant with my son. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was like, "All right, there was a lot of fear that came with being a parent." And it scared me to the point that I was afraid that I would be more focused on how I was parenting versus setting up a bond with my kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I put myself in therapy and I found a therapist who like specialized in prenatal and postpartum. Oh, great. And she helped me and she was amazing. And she kept saying to me, she was like, Blair, like... You're not your past. You aren't your parents. You are your own being. You are your own person. And how you love and how you express yourself is going to be special unto your child. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I was like, good thing I came, good thing I came. The next week you're like, remind me again of that thing about, what did we say? Wait, say it again, say that one thing. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Even better, text me so then I have it in print. And even with those things in our heads and we try to get them in our hearts, in our muscle memory and in our triggers are built in our, the, our past is built in there. And it is up to us to do the work to fight against those triggers. Oh, yeah. And it's work. It really is work. It's muscles you got to work out. Yes, it really is. And it doesn't. And that's the thing, too. Like the myth. Oh, this is such a myth, right? Of that as soon as that as soon as that baby lands in your arms. Oh, you are going to. You are going to just explode with fear. <laughs> you know what I exploded with? Anxiety. Depression. That's what I exploded with. I got to tell you, there was lots of love in the room, but my goodness. Insecurity. All of those things. It's like, pew, 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 yes. pew, pew. It's like, wait, I thought this was supposed to be covered in bliss and love. And it was, but yes, right behind it was like anxiety, like, what up? <laughs> I'm here too. <laughs> yeah, my friend Love invited me to this party. <laughs> love, why? Google Gaga, help me out too. Oh, gosh. It's so hard all those things arrive, even if you didn't have a traumatic childhood. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I had a great childhood. I love my parents. I have incredibly strong bonds with my parents still. But we can't, you know, escape the stuff that's in our body. There's a a big thing that was mentioned in a couple articles I read called dismissive parenting. And if we were children who were brought up with, you know, under the care of a dismissive parent, and it really is a pattern of behavior. If your parent was dismissive now and again, they're human. Mm -hmm. But a pattern of behavior... Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's I got this from psychcentral.com, and it says, Dismissive parenting is a pattern of behaviors and attitudes that signals rejection, scorn, and disdain toward the child. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there may be many of us out there who that's ringing true for them. And what we want to do is break that cycle. We want to make avoid the vicious circle of dismissive parenting. And all those feelings we just talked about, you know, feeling insecure, feeling resentful, feeling all those things. And then what is immediately behind them as well? Guilt. So try to avoid that circle as as well of being so hard on yourself for not feeling what you're supposed to, quote unquote, feel. Yes. That you get all in your head and then it's even harder to what? Bond. Number one. So now you're not bonding. You feel bad about bonding. So you're not bonding. So you feel bad about not bonding. It's like. It's a hamster wheel. You could really like spin yourself into a tizzy. Yes, absolutely. 
When we get back, we will talk more about establishing this bond in our kids. And we'll talk a little bit about what happens during those times when we lose that bond. How can we get that back? Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, everybody. We're back on Toddler Purgatory talking about the busy bond with our kids. <laughs> There are so many cycles in our life, right? Yeah. And some of them are good, and we're carrying forth the high points <laughs> of our childhood, and that goes into our parenting, and then sometimes the other stuff comes in, too. Mm-hmm. And we just want to try and, I don't know, I, I think the thing that helped me the best was, like, taking a minute, taking a beat, and being like, whoo, thinking about the source of where this is, why is this coming up in me? Yeah, yeah. And it might be, oh, because I felt insecure as a child and maybe was too, you know, insecure to talk to anybody about it, including my parents. Or maybe somebody in my life, not necessarily my parents, made me feel insecure, made me feel scorned or ridiculed or alone. And, you know, we're all human. We're bringing a lot of stuff to the table when we're talking about parenting. So the first thing I would say for you, if you have a young kid, particularly a newborn, they say it could take up to or over a year to really feel that bond. So try not to beat yourself up because beating yourself up will only continue the cycle of not being able to bond. Yes. <clears throat> you need to be there for your kid, right? And also, I mean, I got a new therapist now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a therapist choo-choo train. Ah. No, but it's like something for me is like, it's very important that I like just keep my mental health in check. Yes. For me, when my mental health goes off the rails... It gets dark and I got too much to take care of Yeah, in this household for that to happen, right? But my new therapist, we're talking about inner child healing. Mm. And it's all of this goes back. And something that she's mentioned that is just like always like a big breath of fresh air for me is that it's not big traumas. It's the little tiny traumas. It's a little, little, littlest, tiniest of traumas that in your developing brain as a little kid it affected you some kind of way and has stayed with you because you haven't healed from it or it wasn't explained to you or there wasn't anything for you to grasp any knowledge of. And it just sat in you unhealed. Yes. And here you are. And now it's like, so you're trying to like climb over that part of your inner child of like, that hasn't been healed. And now you're like trying to, you know, raise a child. It's very hard. So it's like, it's really essential if you can to like really find what is it inside of you, that little child that is unresolved or unhealed. And then also when you look at your child, try to see yourself through their eyes and say, what is it that I could have needed in this moment? Right. And that's part of stepping outside ourselves, right? And really looking at, taking that beat, taking that breath and going, yes. taking that emotional and mental step back or perhaps physical <laughs> and step back and go, oh, I need to widen my lens right now. I need to take a break and not, not let my emotions drive me. Yeah, that's so true, Blair. Thank, Thank you. you. Therapy. Some of us don't have the cash flow to have a therapist. It might not be in the cards right now. Also for you, time-wise, you might have five kids. You might have one child and just be swamped. So there are other ways of 
taking a breath, taking a beat, taking care of yourself, obviously, is super important. Get enough sleep. Take that walk around the block. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm obsessed with, as most people are, Dr. Becky at Good Inside. Mm -hmm. And she has (laughs) a great pod and a great Instagram account. And she was talking a couple weeks ago about how if she doesn't get her breath while she like she I think she just goes around the block or takes a 15 minute walk or something she's like she you know she's so good she's so even I'm sure she's not perfect all the time but she's sure great she sure, listen she got something down she's sure great <laughs> and she said I could hear my voice changing as I talked to my kid and I set took a step back and slowed down and took a breath and said I'm gonna go take my walk around the block now and she goes and I if I hadn't done that if I hadn't been there for myself I could not have been there for my kid Girl, that is it. That is it, number one, on top of it, every and all day, right? Yes. And it's that's part of that rule book of that being a mom, you have to be for everyone else. How the hell can you be for yourself if you are there for everyone else? How can anybody's needs get fully filled if yours aren't? How? How? <laughs> you know, it makes us reach pitches in our voices that only dogs six downs away can hear. But that... Is our how? Yes. Yes. How can you ask for help? Get support from people around you if you can, from your school, child's school, from the daycare center. Hey, listen, I'm struggling. <laughs> I could use, you know, a trade with your neighbor. Maybe you help her clean out her fridge and she watches your kid for two hours so you can go do whatever you want to do. Go for a hike. You know, people get outside. Some people get their nails done. Do you? Maybe you sleep. Maybe you sleep. I don't know. Maybe you sleep. What does self-care mean to you today? Yeah, go to Target. Oh, God. So good. So, yeah. So, if you're feeling that struggle with bonding with your baby or your young child, think about what do I need? Maybe I'm not getting what I need in this moment, so I can't give to my kid. Yes. Ask for help if you can. And combined with that, particularly in that first year, is truly touch. You want to combine physical and verbal contact. Nancy B. Irwin is a clinical psychologist in West Los Angeles, and she says, children need touch praise and positive reinforcement to thrive. Mm -hmm. They need to be, well, it says they need to be heard and feel that they matter. Listen, you're never going to not hear your newborn because holy mackerel, are they loud? They're going to make sure. They're going to make sure they're heard. (laughs) But it's starting when they're newborn so that you get that in your muscle memory, the both of you, that you are a safe space. They need hugs. They need touching. They need love. They need to know that you love them and think they're great. And when these needs are unmet, a whole host of behaviors can crop up later. So yes, to try and be there as much as you can. Get that self-care. Get that support. And then touch and give the, oh, you know what? I always remember this. I read in a book when I first got my dearly departed dog, Cooper, 10 years ago. I got a book. And it was either called The Other End of the Leash or Inside Your Dog or something like that. I had two behavior books that I read, both of which were fantastic. And one of them said that when we're dealing with our dogs, and I believe this is the same with our kids, <laughs> they can see so much. They see so many signs besides sniffing like the pee of other dogs and butts and stuff like that. They also look into faces and look for different things. Yeah. So smiling to them doesn't necessarily look like you're happy to see them. It might look like you're stressed and they might avoid you, that kind of thing. So they said when dealing with your dog, the best way to like approach a new dog, you know, make a bond with your dog is having kind eyes and a soft mouth. And there's something that really resonated with me because I think about this guy I went to high school with who's still a really, really good friend of mine. And he always had a kind eyes and a soft mouth. I always was like smiling and laughing because I was nervous because I was in high school. And I didn't know what to do with my body. <laughs> but I do remember that like thinking, ah, yes, like my friend in high school. And I and that really resonated for me. And I think that I tried to remember that during those times when I had a little, little one in my arms who I loved so much. Oh, gosh. Oh, overwhelming love. But also was tired and stressed and doubting my skills as a mother and a person. And I thought to myself, kind eyes and a soft mouth. So use those, make that in your muscles as well, which is like, ooh, I might need to soften my voice right now with my child. I might need to soften my mouth if I'm holding a thin line of stress between my lips. That reminds me of uh, Toni Morrison when she says, when you see your child, does your face light up? Mm. Yeah. She said that when her son was young, that she was on Oprah, this was years ago, but it was something that really resonated with me is that she came into a room and her face was all hard and scrunched. And her son immediately backed off. And she realized in that moment that how she came into a room and how he saw her truly affected him and his mood. And how he related to her. 
And she said, you know, make sure that when your children come into a room, when you come into a room, make sure that your face lights up so that they know that they're, you know, that they're love. It's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And I think sometimes it has to be just like a little flag in our brain that says, you never see that. I feel like I've seen that in TV shows and movies, too, where people kind of get themselves together before a business meeting. Yeah. They've had like a crazy, oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm on the phone and I'm signing papers and they go, and it doesn't have to be a fake smile, but it truly is maybe a moment of saying, I'm about to see the person I love most in the world. Yes. So maybe yeah. my face can reflect that. Oh. They don't need this. They don't need to know that I've been, you know, stressed all day. Yeah. So kind of in summary about the, the beginnings of life, just remember that so many new parents need time to bond. Give yourself a break. You will develop those feelings of unconditional love for your newborn on a consistent basis. Don't get stressed out about it because that'll just continue the cycle of not being able to bond because you're too stressed. It may happen gradually over the baby's first year of life. So it's totally normal. You're doing good. One reason why I wanted to do this episode today is because there have been moments, challenging moments with my kid who just turned six where I have felt or my husband has felt like we've somehow lost that bond. Like, how do I feel so disconnected from my child? Mm -hmm. And there's a million reasons why this could be happening. Here are some. This is an article from that same website, Psych Central, and it's called Five Habits That Disconnect You From Your Kids. Again, this could be anything. Also, I only have four written down, so I don't know what happened to number five. So I'm going to give you four. (laughs) I feel like I really set you up for five and you have those expectations and now I'm bringing them down to four. One thing might be screen time. Mm -hmm. And this is, I'm talking about us parents. (laughs) Because screens are such a big thing in all of our lives and they take up a lot of time and they can be quite distracting, it's distracting us from connecting with our kids. So just keep that in mind. Oh, what we've already talked about, they call it self-neglect as opposed to self-care. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. Getting into the trap of materialism. This is an interesting one that I really hadn't thought about in a concrete way. Mama loves to shop. Mama's a good shopper. Mama's so good. I should get paid to shop. It should be a job. It is disgusting that it's not. Why is this not our job, Blair? Mostly hunting for bargains. I don't pay full price. I'm not a monster, but I am so good at finding bargains. So that's more consumerism, I suppose. But we want to make sure that we don't get into the trap of materialism, replacing the other ways that we can show affection to our child. For instance, rewarding them with more stuff instead of attention or affection. Yes. Well, I bought them this truck they asked for. They know I love them. No, What we need to do is like maybe chill out on the trucks, she says to herself, and (laughs) think about how you can, instead of trading money for a toy to give them, you can trade time. Give them your time. Give them your, like we said, touch and love, right? Instead. I know that sounds so basic, but it's a good reminder. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah. It's basic, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. The other thing is interesting, and I don't know if this would apply as much with our age group that we're talking about, but it is something to keep in mind, which is you versus them. Thinking about the way that your life has gone, what's important to you, what your priorities are in life, what you're good at, and putting them on your kid. So for instance, they put it as putting unreasonable demands on our kids because their interests and thoughts don't align with ours. And that can lead to emotional detachment. They start shutting themselves off from you. Listen, that could happen from ages zero to five, six. I think you're right. For sure. For sure. And also, you know, tag on to that is that just because you are in this position of being mom, dad, parent, and you're taking care of, that doesn't instantly or obviously mean that I love you. Right. You know what I mean? Like kids don't get that. They need that affection. They need those words of affirmation. They need those words of love and affection, those behaviors. They don't understand like, oh, my mom loves me just because she's my mother. (laughs) Right. Because I'm in this position. Of course I love you. I'm your mom. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Isn't that funny? It's such a good reminder that they do need that. I can't remember whether we talked about it on this pod or, or if I saw it somewhere else, but somewhere... I heard about trying to fill their cup, their emotional cup, a little bit first thing in the morning. And it's almost like, so then you get to check that off. Because mornings are nuts. Mm -hmm. They're nuts trying to get my kid out the door. And you know, I have one child and it's nuts. (laughs) So I've incorporated that into one of my morning things that I do. It's like, Mm -hmm. wake up, go to the bathroom, wash my hands, brush my teeth, have a little coffee and a little something to eat and then I can wake him up because I have, I'm slightly hypoglycemic so if I don't have a little something to eat and drink at the beginning I 
can't deal with anyone. Um, so I do that. I wake up my son. I fill his emotional cup. I get him dressed. We go downstairs. And the way that I do that is it's so little. But again, it's like these little tiny rituals that change your life a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll just make sure that even as cranky as he is, as much as he doesn't want to get up, cause sometimes in the morning he's hard and sometimes he's easy, right? But whether he's hard or easy, I make sure that I have a little bit of physical touch with him. I give him a hug of some kind or a rub his shoulder. I look into his eyes and I say, ah, this is the face I want to see in the morning. Yours is the face I want to see first thing in the morning. And the next day I'll say, oh, I'm so excited you're awake. I missed you last night. Aww. So I'm trying to put that little one sentence thing in every morning. Yeah. And now I've been doing it for a couple of weeks and now it just happens. I don't even think yeah. about it anymore because now it's part of our ritual. I don't know, little things like that, right? Just little connections wherever you can. Plant that seed of love because you're right, Blair. It's not obvious to them. It's not obvious. Ugh. They don't, it's not automatic for them. Yeah. So. The last thing I'm going to close with in this section is one other way that we might lose a little bit of our bond with our kids. And I never think about this, but it's oversharing. So if you, it is so good to talk to your kid. It's so good to have them be part of your household and speak to them just like you would talk to anyone else. However, much like putting on your soft eyes and, you know, your kind eyes and soft mouth before you look at your kid and talk to them, you also might want to think about how you might not want to unload on them too much about how hard your day is, how hard your night is, how hard your life is. Yeah. Because they say if they're worried about you, they may not be able to handle it because they have not yeah. developed those They'll get capacities. It. <laughs> they're going to shut down. They're going to start to disconnect from you. And so, yes, talk to your kids. Yes, share with your kids. Watch that line. Make sure you're not unloading on them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Because that could hurt your bond. Well, more my six-year-old. Now that he, like, kind of understands, like, the idea of stress. Yeah. Like, every now and then, like, yesterday, they had half day, and I had to go to a funeral, and the funeral was at the church that's right next to the school, but I was, like, trying not to leave the funeral early but it was like right at the end. And I was like, oh, I got to go. So I dipped out and I was still kind of a- emotional and I get the kids in the car and then it's like half day. So it's like excitement, you know, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? And I was just like, and I took a moment, I took a breath and I was about to like lose it, but I took a moment, took a breath. And I said, I was like, yo, I was just at a funeral and I'm just coming down off of that. And it made me sad and I was a little bit stressed about coming to get you. So I just seen a moment. (laughs) My son was like, okay. And then of course that, you know, led into like a whole conversation about death and all that stuff. But at least like in that moment, I was like, I need to tell him exactly where I'm at right now. Yeah. And he can understand that like, I am very human right now. And I need you to just like set your needs aside for one second while I just like Woosah and process where I am in this moment. I like totally had to shift myself. You know what I mean? For sure. And that's, I think that's a great example of how including your kids in how you're feeling yeah, and how you're managing your emotions can be a great yeah. modeling for them too. It's okay that you felt sad. It's great that you're able to process through them and then move on to something else. Like your feelings flow through you like a river. How did your three-year-old react when you opened up like that? She did not care. The entire time she's like, Oh, okay. So are we getting chicken nuggets or what's happening? (laughs) Okay. You're sad. Great. I'm sorry, but we just had a half day and I'm ready to turn up. (laughs) (laughs) She'll get there. Oh, speaking of get there, we'll be right back. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Today, we're talking about bonding with our children and all the things that uh, strengthen it and could be tough in doing so. And now we're going to get into how to reconnect. (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes you do feel with the stress of parenting and also some kids are a real handful. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes your personalities are real different. Real different. And they go through seasons, too. Which is great. Which is a beautiful thing, right? They also, like, go through seasons. Like, kids go through seasons with their personalities, you know, as they're growing. And, like, sometimes it's like, damn, my kid is so fun. And it's like, sometimes, damn, my kid is a pain in the Pain in the keister. Sometimes, the thing you just... What did somebody just post recently about a... It always comes down to a banana. And it's like, oh... Your kid wants a banana, so you peel it, but they want it unpeeled. You cut it in half, but they want it. Like, that's what it comes down to. That's what life is. You can't, sometimes you just can't win. Can't win. And that can wear on you and your kid. Heck yeah. And that's like, that's also like newborn stuff too. Like Yes. When you're just trying to figure it out and you can't. Yep. Yeah, we need one of those like rolling digital signs above their head. I crying because I'm poopy or I'm oh, poopy is easy. You can smell it. Oh, yes. So maybe not, though, with newborns because they don't their poops don't smell. They smell like heaven in dreams, of course. Of course they do. You just want to s- put your nose in. <laughs> I don't know about that. Snuggle it. I don't know about that. <laughs> now you've crossed the line. <laughs> so how do we reconnect, especially when our kids are a little older, might be a little tougher, going through a lot. They're going through a lot. You're going through a lot. How do we reconnect? If anything has resonated for you with how screens may have, not necessarily hurting, but maybe not helping the bond with your kid, start thinking about unplugging. Start thinking about giving yourself some guidelines, which Lord knows Molly Lloyd could use. Ooh. To... Me too. Me too. Give yourself some boundaries and unplug. Find different ways to pass the time. Maybe include your kid or just makes you simply more present. Yeah. Much like I have to say my son's name seven times when he's watching (laughs) Dino Fury or whatever. Like, let's not make our kid have to say our name seven times because we're scrolling or whatever. Plan maybe a little more one-on-one time if you're feeling that your bond is suffering. This always helps me. I can't believe how much it helps me. If I just simply say to my kid, hey, how about you and I go to the skate park? Yes. Not only is he excited to load the car with every conceivable thing he could need there. Including his scooter that he outgrew two years ago. But we got to find it. Put it in there. It's going to go. And he'll probably use it too. Or some kid will use it. I think that's part of it. He likes to know that other kids could use it. But then just knowing that I'm prioritizing him really helps. I just came back yesterday from three or four day trip. And beforehand, the day before I left, he said something like, Mama, we need a little Mama D time. My son's name is D. A little Mama D time. Just some Mama D time. And it wasn't that he was being mean to my husband, whom he adores, but he recognized that he wasn't going to see me for four days. So it's pretty awesome that he realized that. Did I do it? I can't remember because I was real busy. (laughs) I was leaving on the aforementioned four-day trip. And I'm like packing my bag. I'm like, oh, interesting timing, D-man. But I did my best and definitely saved some extra special snuggles for him. Because I know it's hard. We Our last episode was solo parenting season. So if this is something that's hard for you too, go ahead back and listen to that episode. It's pretty good. It has some good tips about when one or the other caregivers... uh, is away and you have a solo parenting season. It can We have some tips on making it a little easier. Okay, so the next one, Blair, is listen without judgment. And that kind of bounces. These things kind of relate to the previous list. 
So that's the you versus them thing, like not really listening to them, trying to listen without judgment. Want to take a pause and do you mind taking that one? It's such a good, good one. Also a good way to reconnect with our kids is just to listen without judgment. Now, it's easy as adults to say, been there, done that, you know, and I know better. But when you listen empathetically, you create a safe place for your child to express their feelings without fear of repercussions or retaliation. And you become their safe space, which is what they need. Oh, yes. Which is what they need. I've been practicing that, too. Um, I can't remember. Who did I steal this one from? Probably Dr. Becky. <laughs> we got to have her on the show. She just had a book come out. I got to get that book. Yes. Yes. And she just had Mel Robbins on her show. Come on. Two of my faves. But she, I believe it was, who had something on. And again, really helped my parenting which was sometimes you don't have to answer everything. You, sometimes you don't have to have a response to everything. And it was all about listening empathetically. So what did I do? I concentrated on having kind eyes and a soft mouth. And I just met some of what my son was going through. And he's, you know, trying to tell me stuff with silence. But I was in it. I was locked in. I was eye contact. I was soft eyes. I was truly listening. And he didn't say anything for a few seconds. And then he kept going. And he went deeper. Because he had the space to do yeah. that. Yep. Because sometimes I do that thing where I go, oh, no, 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 let's just do this thing. Or, oh, that, you know, that's happened to me and I did this and it was fine. Or what's the matter? Are you hungry? Why are you so cranky? You good. <laughs> yes. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good? Good. All right. Come on. Let's just like, I don't know. You want a snack? Let's get a snack. Yeah. Let's solve this problem with a snack, which sometimes it is. Let's be honest. But sometimes they just need the space mm -hmm. to be able to fully feel their feelings and to be heard. Yes. Yes. Because a lot of time, and also, let's just also just like say that, let's be real, real here. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Sometimes toddlers and little kids, when they get to talking, it's a lot of just the jibber jabbers. Sometimes it starts off real clean cut and then it goes to where the hell are we land? Yes. And sometimes I find myself having these conversations right in the middle of when I I am fully busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very common. Very common. But I have found, just like you have, that just giving them just like a pause and just like being like, all right, I'm going to go to Crazyville with you. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing is like their way of processing. It's just like spinning out of control, but the connectors are going off. You know, the synapses are sparking. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, I just need to like sit here and listen and try to see where they're going with this. And even if I don't know and I don't, I can see that like something's happening for them. I remember so well my mom taking off, reading a book or a magazine on the couch, taking off, putting it down, taking off her glasses and simply sitting there and listening to me talk about. That's all you need. I was probably my teenage trials and tribulations. Yes, the drama. Oh, yes, which is incredibly important to me. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. We may not know why this thing is important that our toddlers are jibber-jabbering on about, but it's important to them. Yes. And as part of their safe space, we can't always put down our the ladle, <laughs> let the soup burn. <laughs> but like... We could let them know. You, you're really good at this, Blair, I think, where you're like, I can't focus on this right now because I have to focus on dinner. Can, hey, look at the clock. When the big hand's on the three, can you tell me more about that? Yep. I'd love to hear it, right? Sandwiched to the bad news that you can't talk to them between good news. I love talking to you about this. I can't do it right now. How about when the big hand's on the three, you can tell me all about school today. That kind of thing. Six-year-olds can do that. Three-year-olds cannot, and they don't <laughs> Yes. Do what's right for you. Do what works for your kid and your family. So much of this is individual. The other thing is if you feel like you've lost your bond with your kid, and this is part of what we're talking about, is to truly express interest in them. If you haven't lately, ask questions about their hobbies, what their favorite thing is school is. Did you make a new friend today? What? And if they're older, hey, you know, like, what do you think you're going to be when you grow up? Or I wonder, I wonder what you might be thinking about. And I'm sure right now my son would be like Spider-Man and a paleontologist. Perfect. <laughs> But I wouldn't know that if I didn't ask. Yeah. But it might take some time, especially because your kid might have to get you asking these kind of questions. But if you put in the effort, you'll, they may surprise you with what comes out. And then you can follow up on that. And now all of a sudden you have a dialogue. And now all of a sudden your bond is being reestablished. Mm -hmm. Oh, I tell you something. 
it's hard. Sometimes it breaks my heart that I feel like I don't, you know, my son is kind of tight-lipped about kindergarten that he just started. And I, for a while there, I didn't know who his friends were. And then sometimes it's just that space when he's sitting in the back in his booster seat and I'm sitting in the front. And the other day I parked the car, I had a pile of stuff next to me, I had groceries in the trunk. And all of a sudden he started telling me stuff. Well, my three favorite things about school are morning snack. And I was like, okay, putting my stuff down, kind eyes, soft mouth, kind (laughs) eyes, listening ears, listening ears. And he, I learned about so much about school. I was like, what? He has been there. You won't get that again until another like three, four months. You might be right. It took two months for this Mm -hmm. to come out. Yeah. But boy, was it awesome. And now I have stuff to follow up with him about. And hey, tell me about that other thing. Oh, is that still your, your favorite class or blah, blah, blah. It's so great. And then our last tip for reestablishing that bond with your kid, because if you're worried about, oh my gosh, I just don't have this. We've already talked about planning one-on-one time, which is also especially important if your kid has siblings. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of your attention being split, and I really feel for you. So do what you can to try and get some coverage and have a little one-on-one time, even if it's just 10 minutes walking around the yard with your kid or ta- throwing the football back and forth or jumping on the trampoline. Good luck. Do not bust your butt. Um, <laughs> the other thing is to try, this is kind of piggybacked on that, which is trying something new for both of you. Yeah. And tackle something you've never done before together. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's kind of scary. It might not be something that you like, but it might be something great. But through that process of figuring it out, you're going to strengthen your connection with that kid because it's, it makes you vulnerable to try new things, especially at my age, which is none your business, <laughs> which is light. 40s. Yes, we're in our middle light to mid 40s. Just tickling 40. Yeah, so try something new. It can be scary. It's amazing to make yourself vulnerable in front of your kid, and it's a way in. It could also be something easy, too. Like you could tackle cupcakes together, you know? Wee, yeah. Maybe you're not like a baker. Go get some, like, Betty Crocker. Yeah, box milk mix, some frosting. You know what my mother's-in-law recommended to me, which is such a good idea? If you have boxed brownies, you may already know this, add, I believe it's a half a teaspoon of vanilla. Okay. And like two or three shakes of salt into the mix while you're cooking. Yeah. I have to tell you something. It's not, because all it is is like a box and water and oil and an egg or whatever it is, right? They're like, yeah, throw in a half a teaspoon of vanilla and a few shakes of salt. And you know what? They are right. For some reason, it just makes them richer. As a little side tip. You know what kid do, too. Tell me more. Don't put the salt in it. Put some flaky salt on top. On it. <sighs> Trader Joe's does that with their brownie bites, and it makes me want to Come flip on. a table with happiness. <laughs> Give it to me. Put it in my mouth. Salted brownie but Oh, put it in my mouth, Trader Joe's. And if nobody's paying attention, I open up the refrigerator. I take a little ready whip, which is the spray whipped cream. Blue bottle, my dad always says. The blue bottle, not the red bottle. Blue bottle. Spray that. Baby on top of that salted brownie bite. Nighty nights. Nighty nights, mama's in bliss. See ya in chocolatey heaven. (laughs) So what are our takeaways today? So our takeaways are in that first year, give yourself some space and grace. It's going to take every person is so different. You might wake up with hearts for eyes like an emoji. It might take you up to a year or more to establish that you know, unconditional love bond with your kid. You might have a sprinkle of it, much like the sprinkle of the kosher salt on top of Trader Joe's brownie bites. You might have a sprinkle of that here and there, and then it'll really solidify later. So try not to get into that cycle of beating yourself up for it, which makes it even harder to get back. Just try to get the support, the self-care, and then just have those, hold that baby, cuddle that baby, have that emotional and physical touch, and it will grow. And then later on, if you're feeling a strain on the bond between you and your kid, whether it's a toddler or an older kid like me and Blair both have, you know, newly six-year-olds, then it's all about reestablishing that connection, making sure that you're not falling back on screens to fill your time. You're not relying on material gifts to show your affection. Actually show your affection, time, attention, try new things, ask them about what they like, put in the work, and you'll get that bond back, I promise. It's work. And it's supposed to be because it's a job. It is the best job and it's a fun job. And listen, let that face light up. So yeah, we're doing good, everybody. We're doing good. Y'all are doing good. Good job. Let's give everybody a round of applause. Molly. Yeah. I did. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We love you all. We'll see you next time on Toddler Purgatory. Take it easy.
Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking